Please remain standing as you're able as we turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 12, for the call of Abraham. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. In Lent, we're talking about journey. And so we're going to begin this morning uh, with a dialogue about journey in the uh, Christian Life Center today. Pastors Mark Williams and Michael Crocker are dialoguing about journey, and I asked them what they were going to do. And uh, Mark said, well, I'm going to be Steve Nash, and Michael's going to be Shaq, and I'm just going to go lob him a few easy ones and, and see if he can slab them down. Not so here in the sanctuary. Scott here is going to be Shaq, but I'm going to be Kobe, and we'll just see if he gets to touch the ball <laughs> at all. But I will give it to him first. Scott's asked for uh, just a moment uh, to uh, say a few words to you before we begin. Thank you. I just wanted to take a few moments of personal privilege. For those of you that do not know me, uh, please pray for me. Uh, for those of you that do know me, I hope that this is something that is helpful or at least makes sense. Some of you have also heard what I need to say right now. In the last year, I've come to a really deep realization of a few different things. As you know, we all grow all the time. The thing that I've really profoundly grown to know in this last year is what it means to be under spiritual authority. I want to really encourage you, if you have not done any study on this, to do so. But what I have also discovered in understanding spiritual authority, biblical spiritual authority, is that when I was here as a part of the pastoral team on campus, now I'm here but off campus, um, I did not live under David as a spiritual authority in a way that would bless the church. I thought that I was here to serve um, people, and really God called me here to serve him. I'm going to challenge you with that thought because if you watch it walk itself all the way through, what that meant was if I'm serving people that I'm their pastor, he's a pastor of another group, and all of a sudden we have a divided church. Now there's some poison in that and some brokenness in that, and that's on me. I don't think that that was a heart issue, but it was definitely an understanding issue. And so what I need to ask you for is your forgiveness. Would you please forgive me for that? Also, uh, just as another opportunity to ask David uh, once again and as public as possible for his forgiveness for dealing with my spiritual adolescence. Uh, And I suppose, I hope, uh, I'm trying to grow out of that. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. And and, uh, I have uh, certainly uh, forgiven Scott for making my life very entertaining uh, (laughs) while while he was here and, and continues to be so. But... But you need to know he's a, he's a trusted and valued colleague and friend on this journey, and so that's why I brought him over to talk about journey with you. So, Scott, uh, you and I have both been, uh, I think, shared similar influences, Ray Vanderland uh, among them. And uh, my sense is that you find journey an appropriate metaphor for the Christian faith, and I just wanted you to comment on that. Yeah, and journey is, I think, the central piece of faith. I don't, I don't think it goes anywhere past that, that we're always on a journey. One of my favorite uh, sort of biblical all-stars that has surfaced in the last few years is Enoch. Uh, and I love Enoch from Genesis 5. If you go and you study Enoch, it's super simple. Uh, he, he has, it basically says he has a child and he walks with God. And he walks with God for hundreds of years. 
has a lot more kids, walks with God some more, and then God just takes him. And there's something in this picture that I have of Enoch that all we're called to do in the simplest of things is walk with God. Just walk with God. And what I love about that is the idea that, that maybe Enoch was so well-loved because he just did that. That's simply that's all he did. That in just walking with God, God couldn't take it anymore and he just, he just had to have him. So he just took him right up. And, and I see that then throughout when we read from uh, the scripture this morning. In Genesis 12, you look at Abram, or in Abraham 12, as it's in the bulletin, which I like, um, uh, that there is this picture of... of all we're called to do is to follow. And the picture of Abraham is so intense because God says, you know, here, go with me to the land that I will show you in this overly general 12,000-foot view that must have been terrifying. And all he's called to do is walk. And then like you suggested with Ray, you know, just learn so deeply and so profoundly that all the disciples were called to do and all we're called to do in that same way is follow Jesus. Just follow Jesus. And be on that same journey walking with God. And the journey uh, is, the future steps are not always known. No. Uh, do you plug, that's kind of where I plug in yeah. to Abraham, that I might get the first step, but, but I don't really know five steps down the road. Do you experience that in, in oh, your life? Absolutely. I mean, as we've talked, it, uh, it's, the, it's the kind of picture that you, you really have no real idea what's going to happen next. I mean, God only says, follow me. Follow me right now. And all that we can do is say, yes, I think what we would like to know is a destination. And I'm trying to find out in the Bible somewhere or in somebody else's life where he gives them, here's the destination. I think God loves for us to be on journey with him. I think it's the whole picture. So, no, I think that murky place where we follow with a cloud of, uh, pillar of, of cloud by day and the, and, the, and the pillar of fire by night still exists. Yeah. I, I think it exists certainly in my life. I share with the other services. As, as a father of three children, I realize how much is still unknown. Uh, I have one uh, getting ready to get out of uh, professional school, and, and we don't know where his job will be. If, if you know of one, let me know. We've got one getting ready to uh, graduate uh, college. Same thing. And then we've uh, got one in high school, and I realize I don't even know their next steps. I don't even know where they will be. You know, I'm almost at the time where some of the guys that I went to school with are starting to think about and, and talk about in the next few years grandchildren. Well, you know, two of my three kids don't even date. And, you know, the, the one with the longest steady-running girlfriend is 15. Ooh, and yeah. so the kind of map that I might have had for myself, the kind of map that I would have, it, it's, out of, it's out of date. It, it, uh, those, those steps I would have charted are not the steps that I'm walking, and do you find that so in your own individual? Sure, I, I mean, I do. I think that a lot of the time, I, I like what um, Ruth Graham said, uh, you know, what she said um, was, if God always answered my prayers, I would have married the wrong man many times. And I think sometimes <laughs> that, uh, that what I expect or hope for or my dreams for myself are so, so small compared to the ones that God has for me that uh, I'm, I'm a little worried if, if I just walked out on my own that I would just end up being so much less than God intended for me to be. And it's the same thing. We have younger children, of course. You know, we have the little ones. And so we're in that wild place. I, I told you earlier that on Friday I had charge of our infant son as well as our four-year-old daughter as uh, Ryan, our eldest, was off at school. And Kathy was at a Woman of Faith conference. And and she had put this really great schedule on the refrigerator of how he would, you know, the infant would eat and then he would sleep and then he would do this kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, no problem. 
Gotcha. Father of three, got the schedule, I'm good. But she did not tell him the schedule at all. <laughs> so, you know, I think that's kind of, it's a picture for me of faith life is I've got the schedule. Who knows how close we'll get. Yeah. One of the uh, things I think that, that you helped me see is, and really you can answer this pretty short answer, what changed because Abraham took the journey? Oh, uh, I think what didn't change is, you know, really, I mean, if you think about it, uh, all of human history completely is transformed because uh, God says, would you follow me to a place I'll show you? And Abraham says, yeah. And I think, you know, in that same way, we're all called uh, to, to just follow in the simplest way. And who knows what that might mean? I mean, I mean, when you look at Abraham, what is it the, that's the most fascinating piece of that for you? Um, yeah, I think it kind of resonates for that, you. It resonates with me, the fact that he doesn't know the, the next place. He's just told, go in this uh, direction. Uh, and the other thing that resonates is that his family, as he knows it then, uh, his, his nuclear family, which is Sarai, and his possessions and his nephew, they get dragged in on this. Yeah. And it resonates with me that whenever you follow God, it's not just impacting you. It impacts every one of uh, your close relationships. Now, I want to argue for the long term, that's a good thing because you'll be a blessing. But in the short term, I kind of resonate with that. I could just see Sarah at at different stops along the way saying, are we here yet? (laughs) You know, can can I... Can I get out the China? No, it's paper plates again tonight. You know, uh, I'm your and, sister. What? That's, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. There's all sorts of uh, uh, intrigues along the way, and I love what Fred Craddock says. And you don't really see a, a whole lot of, of um, a return yet on your investment journey with God. You know, for years when Sarah goes out and calls everybody in for dinner, well, it's only Abraham who, <laughs> who comes in, and and yet so much has been promised. I I remember. I'm picking up uh, 13 years ago and moving from a place where I was for uh, seven years uh, to this location. And I thought it was the right move, and I thought it was the next step on the journey. But I didn't realize for a while how my whole family and so many relationships were impacted uh, by that. And so one night at the dinner table, my oldest child, who had grown up in one school system his whole life, uh, announces to me that I have ruined his life by picking up and moving. (laughs) I, we're, I just plug into Abraham. I don't offer easy answers except to say, if you think you're going to follow God's call, whether it's to give up something for Lent or to go across the street and, and meet a neighbor and befriend them for Christ, and it's only impacting you, you're mistaken. God's call always takes all of our relationships with it. That's right. I, I was wondering, Scott, if you thought that if in faith individuals uh, or individuals in faith go on journeys, do churches take journeys as well? Yeah, I mean, that, that's something that we talk about all the time. Um, and it's something that I've learned from you so deeply is, you know, you want to lead with some sort of absolute clarity. You have this pressure. I, I mean, I have this pressure out at Riverside where, you know, we don't know a lot. Uh, and so there's this constant kind of looking, and I feel like it's to me um, about what we should do and how we should be and all this kind of stuff. And so sometimes I've run with the whole idea of often wrong but never in doubt. You know, and, and so I, I sort of keep cruising. And, and now I've realized that e- even that is, is something that I don't have to do. You know, I don't have to know that we will discover on the journey who we are. We will discover uh, where we're called to be. And, and when we've taken on this kind of weird 
corporate thing, you know, where we decide, oh, we're going to have this goal for this and that goal for that and these kinds of things. And it's like we're making all these plans for ourselves out there. I, I just am reminded of that classic joke, you know, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Because it's going to have nothing to do with what you, you know, you seek what God has for you and you go. And for whole church communities, you know, that's, I think, an enormous thing. I mean, who, who do you think Alamo Heights is called to be right now? Where do you think the journey is leading all of you? I, I think where, uh, where it's leading us now is just where it led the people of God, into the wilderness, hmm. into that uh, strange plane, place between two knowns. I, I think of uh, a ship that's leaving the port, and you turn around and kind of see the port behind you. You can see where you've been, but you can't quite see the land toward which you're heading. And sometimes I, I feel like we're at sea between those things, or we're between Egypt where we knew what it was like, and, uh, but we're not quite yet to the promised land. There's a way that I, I told you, one of my colleagues uh, hit it on the head. He said, 20 years ago, we knew what church looked like, and we could do it. And he said, I believe 20 years from now, we know what church, we'll know then what church looks like, and we'll be able to do it. But we're in that in-between time, and, and the change that we're uh, experiencing in our world in, in church uh, affects not just church, it affects health care, it affects education, it affects people in uh, government. Almost any field that you talk to, they realize that what they knew and what they stood on and what they were familiar with for years has changed. It has been pulled out uh, from under them. And, and so that's why I feel like as a church, we kind of, if we want to recreate 1950, we can try. Uh, but that was another day. And I think God is calling us toward 2020, whatever that is, and we're in that in-between uh, period. But I know your church is very stable and, and where you are. are. Are you experiencing any tension? You, you know or I'm at Riverside, at right? You know where we are. Okay, what's well, the yeah, tension? Um, no, we don't have any tension at all, man. It's, no, it's, um, yeah, we do, of course. I mean, every community that's growing at all has healthy tension. I think if you're healthy, there's tension. It exists. It's growing. It's whatever. But I, I, the tension that we have right now is that at the end of February, and I believe it's February, um, th- we run out on the lease in the school in which they're worshiping right now, all things being well. And um, what that means is at the end of this month, we don't know if we're going to get uh, that lease re-upped, maybe, uh, but they've been pretty resistant, um, or if we're going to have to find another place which we don't know of. Um, if you know, what are we going to do for a worship space in three weeks uh, is a tension that's on us right now, uh, is part of our journey. And, and so um, that's kind of where we are amongst, you know, other normal growing things. And what uh, blessings and gift have you found in this uncertainty? Oh, man. Um, well, uh, I pray a lot more. Um, it's funny to think about, but uh, the reality is, well, it's, it's, I think, and, and you say this very well, and I've heard Ray say it too, but, you know, he says that Egypt is Pharaoh's land, the promised land belongs to us, but the wilderness belongs to God. Mm-hmm. The desert belongs to him. And being in the desert, I've just grown to know so richly that everything matters. Everything matters. Mm-hmm. The next person walking in the door could be the person that has the greatest, deepest need, or they could have the answer to our greatest, deepest need. Any person that you meet, see, say, wonder about, any idea that comes your way is vibrant and real, and you just don't miss anything because you don't know, and you're, you're so intensely looking 
It's because it feels, although I know it's not, because the Lord has us, it feels like a life and death issue. Mm. And so it's like colors are brighter and, and people matter more. And, you know, I think the danger is if you're, if you're, you know, when we've been stable in our environment, have we been paying enough attention? And so that's what we've been talking about a lot. Yeah. I think you mentioned in one of the earlier services, people who go through life-threatening illnesses, they, they really come alive in, in, in other ways each moment is more precious. Uh, each uh, uh, person, uh, there, there's a new interaction and a new surprise and value. And I think you're finding that oh, a lot. On, yes. on your, on your journey as, as we will. We, we all, whether we know it or not, are uh, on a similar kind of journey because it's a journey where we don't have control. And uh, if, if things are under control, then I think we miss some of the surprises along the way. I, I want to ask you this, I, having already heard your answer, but I, I, I want uh, folks here to hear your answer. If we're on a, de- a journey, what's the destination? <laughs> um, as you know, I, honestly, we, we want so badly to have a destination. Who am I supposed to be? Where are we supposed to go? Where are we going to worship? What will the building look like? How all these destinations? And I'm... I'm kind of over destinations completely. I don't want to oversteer because I think that they're valuable, but only as you have arrived at them by following God. I don't know that a destination is worth anything unless you've done the journey that it takes to teach you what you need to know in order to be the people you're called to be in whatever or at whatever point. You know, I really think Reggie McNeil talks about it great when he says, ultimately, it's not about planning. It's about preparation. Because the world is going to happen to you. Things are going to go down. And so if you can prepare your heart and mind, you can actually become. So ultimately, I think what that means is that your destination is the journey. So for Eli Manning, uh, <laughs> there are more valuable things than being in, uh, in Disney World That's right. this week. Thank and you. there are lessons and experiences shared with teammates and uh, uh, with people along the way. And it might work the same way. Sure. And in our own life. But let me ask you one more. Um, and, that, and that is, as you, as you think about your experience here uh, with me, with us, what do you think is the most valuable thing that you have taken away from our journey together? And what's one thing that you wish that I would do differently on my own journey? Well, you are a brave person. Um, yeah, that's a, I didn't expect that question. Um, I know. I, the thing that I have taken from this place is that this place is strong enough to risk. It's strong enough in its heart. It's strong enough in its way to have a risk and to, to love God as deeply as possible and to take those risks. Um, just one thing after another. Uh, I think um, what I've taken from you personally is the courage to not know. To actually be able to say out loud in front of a lot of people in a humble way, I just have no idea. I'm trying. I'm praying. I'm with you. Uh, and I know God is with us and leading us, but I don't exactly know where we're going. And, and to me, I've been under a lot of leadership. I've been under a lot of amazing leadership. But the strength in the humility of saying, I don't know, has been such a powerful thing. And, and I believe that we are in that sea change of church right now. Uh, and unfortunately for you, you're one of the guys that has taken the red pill uh, and, and has accepted that. Um, what I would see you do different uh, would be that I think sometimes uh, you still kind of move in some of the corporate structured mindsets that we're all taught. 
and that you think you need to do this in this way and be here in this place. And, and there's a lot of sort of, um, there's an ugly word for it in, in church leadership called FaceTime where you have to show up and be this and do all that. And I was going to tell you to do something. When I've seen you really move in your strength, it's when you are a deep spiritual leader. And, and you are in the Word and you are in prayer. And the community knows that, that you are just in the tent, you know, and that the Lord is speaking and that you are moving with that richness. And I guess if I was going to say, if you did that, if you felt the freedom and you became just that, that really deep spiritual leader that I know you to be, I think we all do. And you just felt real free to be that. I think that the flourish of, of ministry around you and the kingdom growth around you would be exponential. That's a helpful word. And actually, Scott has given me that word before. And I have taken it to heart and, uh, and let uh, people give things up. And I, I do that as well. But I've tried to add more of uh, the face time with God hmm. and, and the deep time. So I appreciate your uh, thoughtful a response. Let me say two things, uh, kind of in in uh, in closing to to summarize it all. One of the things I asked out at the other services is, is is how you get up in the morning with so much uncertainty. You don't know where your your next place um, is. And and Scott, just give us a just a the capsule answer on that. How do you face all the uncertainty? Well, I think it's the picture of, of Abram right here. Is is it says you know to take you to a place where I don't know. And there's this weird these two dynamics that are flowing in Abram. One is he has got this tremendous faith to go when he's got no clue where he's going to go. So I hope to have that. I pray for that. The other is he really doesn't have very much of a choice. I mean, the Lord's voice is right there thundering in his face. How much choice does he have? So I think for me it's wake up with panic and go anyway. And, and I think that that's really all we could say probably for all of our lives in faith. So the fear doesn't disappear. We just don't let the fear keep us from going where God is calling. No. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely, absolutely. And one other thing that, that helps me, a uh, metaphor, I'll just close, is, is uh, John is talking to the church. He said, here and now, do, dear friends, we don't know what we're going to be. But when it's all said and done, we're going to be like Jesus because we will see him as he is. And so I guess my prayer for me, my individual life, is that I will see Jesus more and more so that whatever shape that looks like in the future, I will take that shape. And my prayer for our church is that more and more we'll seek Jesus. And so whatever form and shape that takes by 2010 or 2020, uh, it will be appropriate because we have sought him.